This week on The Real Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast, we are talking about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. My name is Jeremy. With me today are Rail Splitter Mary. Hey, Rail Split Nash. And Rail Splitter Nick. What's up, Rail Split Nash? For those of you who are listening to us, as you know, uh, you're getting a little break on your uh, impeachment coverage. <laughs> and speaking of impeachment coverage, we've got the Rail Splitter version of impeachment coverage coming at you, courtesy of Article 2, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution that states the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, A famously ambiguous little clause there or sentence in the Constitution, what constitutes a high crime, a misdemeanor, treason or bribery if you are a president vice president or a civil officer or for the case of today's episode andrew johnson uh we'll get to that we'll try to relate that a little bit to the current impeachment along with the impeachments of other figures at the state and national level of course richard nixon bill clinton among others um so but before we get to that uh nick uh you had done a little bit of research on a recent i think it was recent yeah, a recent uh, article that kind of links to Lincoln, but um, many of our listeners will be happy to note isn't too off in the weeds because it also has to do with impeachment. What can you tell us about the intersection of Lincoln and impeachment from the news? Yeah, I don't know how I came across this. I don't know if I was doing research or just happened to come across it, but uh, yeah, uh, the great uh, Rod Poglojevich. For those of you who don't know who he is, he was a former Democratic governor of the great state of Illinois. And living up to our long tradition of shitty governors, um, he got his ass impeached and got his ass thrown in jail. Uh, but he's been using his jail time wisely uh, because while in jail in Colorado, he wrote a little opinion piece that got published in Newsmax. Uh, um, and the Washington Post actually kind of covered that he wrote this. <laughs> and the Washington Post article is kind of funny because they refer to Rod Blagojevich as the leading prison historian. Uh, um, I think that was done in tongue in cheek. So prisoner historian. So that kind of made me. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Of 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 the people who are currently prisoners, he is a leading historian. Yeah, that's what so, they meant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He got. What did he go? What official bus? It was trying. It turned to sell Obama's seat, right? I think. Yes. So. Um, yeah. He called it freaking gold or effing gold, and uh, yeah, uh, he was caught uh, on tape, recorded, literally offering political favors and potentially even bribes for the seat vacated by uh, when President Obama was elected. Wow! Great. <coughs> 
Which is actually yeah, much, you know. much more similar to the current impeachment as far as accusations go than, than really any other impeachment. Because um, it is talking about um, gaining political favor by using using influence to gain political favor. So Very I do true. think it's slightly aligned. So the gist of his article was that um, if the Democrats were in charge, these same Democrats of 2020 were in charge when Lincoln was office, Lincoln would have also been impeached. Um, so that's kind of where it goes. Uh, um, you know, it's kind of a humorous argument. It kind of breaks down into four basic reasons. Uh, his first reason he tackles is Lincoln's passing of the Emancipation Proclamation um, would have gotten him in trouble, Blagojevich claims. Um, his quote that I took from his op-ed is, First, today's Democrats would have impeached Lincoln for obstruction of Congress and abuse of power when he unilaterally issued his um, when he issued his Emancipation Proclamation. Lincoln then asked Congress for permission when he declared an end to nearly 250 years of slavery and offered freedom to millions of slaves in America's South. He neither consulted Congress nor sought its consent before he acted. In fact, at the time Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, the Democrats of that day opposed it. I'll throw it to you guys on what your thoughts are of his reasoning there. First of all... That this is even a reason is it floors me because it's like it's slavery. Uh, That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. like like and first I also of all, think, it's a reason. It shouldn't be a reason. Yeah, for, of course. So yeah, to use that as the argument is absurd. Um, and breaking down the argument itself, the Emancipation Proclamation was essentially an executive order. So for him to say that you, he's using the same terms as the current impeachment of the current president, saying that it's an obstruction of Congress. The difference is. The current Congress approved aid to the Ukraine. So, like, the funding bill went through. They approved the budget, which included military aid to Ukraine. And then the president, uh, the claim allegedly, and it's, it appears to be the case, the president then withheld that, that funding until he was able to get some political favors from Ukraine. So that's where the obstruction of Congress comes, because they made a decision, and he was willfully going against that for his own gain. If you're going to use that same argument for Lincoln, what Bogoyevich is saying is that Lincoln did it without consulting Congress. So that's not obstructing anything. He may, he may be claiming he stepped out of bounds or overstepped his authority. Uh, but that's a pretty far bridge to obstruction of Congress. And then that's another bridge to a high crime or misdemeanor. Um, I do think it's important to point out that one, Bogoyevich is an absolute weasel, no offense to weasels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he is currently trying to get a commutation of his sentence from the president of the United States, whose reality television show he was on at one point after his impeachment. Oh, that's shady. Yeah. He's, he is not a good person. Um, and you know, he's, he's definitely a stain on the the political history of the state of Illinois for sure. Um, but I think that he knows exactly how to curry favor with the current president, which is to kiss his ass basically. And, uh, him writing this saying that, you know, using Lincoln and saying that the Democrats would impeach him is playing right to his audience who in this case, I do believe is the president himself because he's trying to get that commutation because he's in the middle of a 14 year prison sentence for corruption. 
And the fact that he's saying that he would have been impeached in 2020, it's not really a great comparison because uh, the difference between 2020 and when Lincoln was president, there was a war happening when Lincoln was president. Things were a little bit different state happening. Yeah, and yes, very much so. Um, the the most of the people opposed to him vehemently were in the Confederacy. So mm-hmm. um, he said, you know, the, the Republican or the excuse me, the Democrats um, who opposed him and would have opposed the Emancipation Proclamation were the minority party. So um, and if they were the majority, I mean, another thing that, that I think leads into the Johnson conversation is no one had been impeached before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, you know, it's a big deal that this this happened um, in we talk about hypotheticals on the show all the time to hypothetically guess if the current Congress would have impeached president Lincoln, if the current Congress was in 1862 or 63 or when the emancipation, you know, at the end of 1863 is <laughs> that's a, that's a level of conjecture that I'm not even willing to do. Like it's a little bit easier to say if Lincoln were in, around now, what would he think more so than if the 435 members of Congress, even though there weren't 50 States then, you know, were, somehow in the in the civil war would they have impeached him it's it's absurd um and and i think it's it's kind of a ridiculous claim um and i don't think it would have grabbed a headline if it wasn't ridiculous i think you knew exactly what he was doing Mm -hmm. i think i don't think for a second he thinks that that this is worth anything uh other than to try to bend the ear of the president a little bit and try to get that commutation uh which i think he'll probably get if the president wins re-election He'll probably commute that sentence at some time in his second term when there's no political fallout for it. Yeah, I think the thing that kind of stands out to me that I don't think you guys briefly mentioned is the Democrats of the day. You know, the Democrat of 18, you know, 1860s is a lot different than the Democrat of 2020. Exactly. And there are a lot of right, like, wing conservatives who are on Internet and Twitter who keep pointing this out. And like keep using this argument over and over and over again, and there's like it's not comparing apples to apples. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been an evolution in the party on both sides. A Republican of 1860 and a Democrat of 1860 is not the same as Republican 2020 and the Democrat of 2020. And they have, um, and some of these pundits have used this over and over and over again. I mean, it's becoming exhausting listening to it and quite irritating. Um, but the bottom line is, if nobody, if that's all they look and they don't do any further investigating, that's what they believe. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this article. That's part of the problem you give, like, stuff like this, some airtime and stuff. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of using it as a joke uh, because I did think it was kind of funny. But and we're also not, like, a major news outlet. Um, and I think a big problem with our journalism today is we're giving too many people a voice that don't deserve it. Kelly and Conway yes. should not be on any credible news source ever again. Because the more we give her a voice, the more she just pollutes all this stuff, and it's just more shit that we got to sift through mm-hmm. to find the truth. And with technology the way it is, we don't need any more shit out there. And to the journalists out there, they need to do a better job of giving credible people stuff. Yeah, Trump, does Trump say a lot? You probably could never cut off Trump because he's the president. I get that. But you don't have to have Kellyanne Conway's how many different steps away from him on your airwaves. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest problem with journalism right now, well, in my opinion. Agreed. And and to the one thing with this article is like, you know, you look at it and you see the word Democrat a lot. And this is a very negative article towards the Democrats. So the thing with that is people are going to take away, they're not necessarily going to take away like, you know, all that is written in this article, but maybe like, oh, Democrats are like, it's negative against them, right? They're not going to know the history of the party and all that. They're going to think of it in today's terms. Yeah, You know, the funny part, too, about his argument, like he gives there's three other reasons. He claims that offering Lee the job would have upset the Democrats, suspending habeas corpus and the way he got the nomination itself. To me, the one that has the most credibility to maybe make an argument to where he did some things wrong is suspending habeas corpus. Mm And that's the least that he expanded on in all of them. So I, I think, you know, Jeremy's 100% right. I mean, he's writing this for one person. Yep. Um, he, he's maneuvering to get it. So, um, but I thought it was kind of funny. And they yeah, did. I, Go ahead. I, I think it's funny too. And just real quick, Nick, just because I don't want to lose your the one point you were making. I also feel, I agree with you 100% about the media and their responsibility. But I also feel that it's not responsibility of the viewer to be a discerning and intelligent consumer of media. Um, because the reason they're doing that is because there's an audience for it and mm-hmm. there's a huge audience for it. And I fall into the clickbait culture as much as anybody where I'm like, Ooh, what did they say today? Um, but really I think if, if the, if the customer is demanding a higher level of news and, and actual journalism, I think that they'll start to deliver, but it's, that's a, that's a tall ask. So I just mm-hmm. didn't want to lose that, that point yeah. that you were making also. No, and you're correct on that too. Mm-hmm. And, that's where hopefully education could play a role in that and teaching our kids in the classroom, which I've been trying to do. Um, don't know if it's working. So. <laughs> We're going to go down swinging, though, right? We're going to yeah. keep yeah. trying. I'm trying. I can tell you that much. I don't know how effective I am. But, um, yeah, so I just came across it. Thought it was humorous. Um, we probably don't need to give it any more airtime. <laughs> nope. But nope. It, I think it is uh, – it's a nice connection, I think, to the impeachment conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that his impeachment um, ties a little bit more directly to the current one. Uh, but today we're talking about Andrew Johnson's impeachment, of course, impeachment in general, because um, I think a common theme that we're seeing with the current impeachment and really pretty much every other impeachment, and I know Nixon wasn't actually impeached, but um, every other impeachment that has happened it comes down to like many, many, many other things is how do we interpret the constitution and trying to, to, to weigh that um, we're kind of always weighing what the founders were conceived, you know, what their conception of it was, plus putting it into current times and how that all measures out. Um, But specifically the high crimes and misdemeanors piece, what constitutes a high crime and misdemeanor? Cause there's really no, information clarifying that in the constitution probably for good reason so i think this is an example of a very interesting uh incident issue i think in uh political history and nick to your point about you know the republican party and the democratic party evolving i think that this incident johnson's impeachment and really the johnson presidency i think plays a huge role in um starting off a transition of the Republican party away from the party that was focused on abolition and then civil rights um, because of the way that it mishandled reconstruction right out of the gate. Grant did quite a lot to bring it back. um, But um, 
still, the Johnson presidency was was a disaster as far as that goes. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves um, and get into the uh, impeachment, uh, if that's all right with you all. I know we we're gonna we're all gonna talk about Canadian impeachment too if we get time. But um, so um, the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. I, I'll turn it over to Mary, kind of to give us a little bit of some background information on what happened. In the late 1860s. Okay, so um, basically, there are like three presidents have been impeached: Johnson, Clinton, and then most recently Trump, who is awaiting trial. Um, so Lincoln's vice president uh, was Andrew Johnson, and he became president when Lincoln was assassinated in April of 1865. So he is the 17th president of the United States. Uh, Lincoln had chosen Johnson as his running mate in the 1864 election because he needed the support of the Democrats. Johnson was a Democrat and had been military governor of Tennessee during the Civil War. Lincoln also did this to appeal to the Democrats and the South, like just for reconstruction. So Lincoln at this point is thinking of like the future of the country. Um, by 1864, I think he knows like when he chooses Johnson as his running mate that the Civil War is coming to an end. And, um, but the one thing I don't think that Lincoln thought of, and I was thinking about this when I was doing the research was, I don't think Lincoln thought of the, what if Johnson has to become president? Yeah, it's the the choice of Johnson always fascinates me because, um, and it was common. It wasn't a falling out with Hannibal Hamlin or anything like that. Um, I think it was, it was much less now if, if a president switches vice presidents for the reelection, it'd be a much, much bigger deal. Um, but it, Johnson weirdly um, was a concession or kind of an appeasement to Democrats because in Southerners because Johnson was from Tennessee but still loyal to the Union. But he was also polarizing in the fact that like Southerners didn't like him because he stayed loyal to the Union and Unionists didn't like him or didn't trust him as much because he was from Tennessee. So like he's kind of in this middle ground that ends up you know that Lincoln from a political standpoint, I was trying to curry, not curry favor, but to please people or at least to, to kind of reach out to people, which I think was effective. But at the same time, it creates a situation when Andrew Johnson becomes president where he has no friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly no friends in the Republican Party because he's, he's very, very much an outsider in the Republican Party. Um, and I, I do think that this is also um, very much an indication of how little the vice presidency mattered. You know, in earlier political eras, uh, the vice president did essentially nothing other than preside over the Senate. Um, and many, many vice presidents in the um, 18th and 19th century, or yeah, the 18th and 19th centuries said, you know, this is a waste of time. This sucks. Like, um, I don't do anything. And it was only, you know, only recently really has the vice presidency taken on a little bit more of a diplomatic role and a little bit more of a policy role. Um, but when the president dies, that that becomes very, very much different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, obviously Lincoln is not going to be of that mindset at all. Like, I mean, who would be really, um, but soon after Johnson becomes president, he starts clashing with the Republicans, especially the radical Republicans, including secretary of war Stanton. So Stanton is the secretary of war that was appointed by Lincoln and he's still the secretary of war. And Stanton and Johnson are political opposites. 
The New York Herald said they differ on questions of national policy as widely as it is possible for two men to differ. And recently, this difference seems to have ripened into mutual distaste for each other's society. So these two, you would not want them in the same room together. They loathe each other. That's the impression I got from the research is they mm-hmm. could not. I I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall during cabinet meetings because I think these are two very headstrong men. And absolutely polar opposites and like that's fighting though is not just between johnson and stanton it's not just between these two people it's also between the democrats and the republicans as a whole um frank blair who was a congressman and he is the son of um the very prominent blair family um he felt that stanton was the evil genius of the country who had corrupted the mind of grant and whispered to him the prospect of absolute and permanent power. Yikes. Like, like, so this is the kind of stuff that is being said um, at this time, and kind of the level of drama that is happening uh, within the government when Johnson is president. So Blair fears perpetual military control of the South, including number of electoral votes in Southern states. And this is one of the key things when going into Reconstruction is that um, like, keep in mind at this time, there's still a lot of military control going on mm-hmm. in the southern U.S. I think um, this these examples here, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there's two things that kind of jump out at me as interesting. Um, one is I think that it ex- it shows um, the political and maybe just interpersonal genius of Abraham Lincoln because the very you know many of these personalities were around Stan's personality did not change when Abraham Lincoln died. He was difficult to work with and kind of a jerk before that mm-hmm. um, Seward of course um, had earned a, a lot of accolades and he was a very well established um, statesman and politician and had a you know resulted in a pretty big ego as well I mean and, and so he among many many others. Um, and he, you know, Lincoln, I think, got that cabinet and those and all of those folks to function at a very high level. Um, and we don't, I mean, we know quite a bit, but not a ton about how Lincoln actually did that. But I think the fact that as soon as Lincoln was gone, the wheels kind of come off and the party just kind of dissolves. Uh, not dissolve, not you know, the party obviously stuck around, but I mean, like the the infighting just just escalated to a huge degree. And I think one other interesting point is when you compare that to today. Um, much, much less in the late 19th century was there that party loyalty or where, you know, you, you have your, you know, your, your leader of the party that people tend to kind of get in line behind, um, where it's all, you know, if, if you're the current president, everyone in the party seems to toe the line quite a lot. And I think we're seeing that currently more than ever where people who I feel probably normally wouldn't or don't agree with him or don't like him are saying and doing things that support him because they're towing the party line. Uh, whereas back in those days, you know, there was plenty of one-term presidents, plenty of times the sitting president didn't win nomination for re-election in his own party. Um, so I, that's, to me, I think this is, shows a very big evolution in politics where um, at that time there was no, no leader of the party that everybody got behind. It was much more of a communal effort. Whereas now it seems like, um, you know, you very much there's there's the party leadership that dictates quite a lot of the party's agenda, mm-hmm. uh, both on both sides. Why do you think that is? I mean, I was thinking about that today earlier too. It's it's almost like were politicians more 
into the civic service back then than what they are now? Has politics become such a power thing um, in our current structure to where um, that's why people run for office is they like the power. So it's actually just easier to do what McConnell tells you or what Pelosi tells you um, because, you know, you make your side happy. Um, You know, if I feel like it'd be very hard for me um, if I was in the Republican Party, especially in the Senate or the House, not to speak out. I mean, especially from a civic standpoint, I have a very hard time. Like, I don't know if you guys have any reasons why you think it is where we tiptoe the party lines more now. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's almost shocking. I mean, from a historic standpoint, it's almost boring. You know, you hear about, like, Lyndon Johnson giving the Johnson treatment when he would, you know, try to try to get votes for certain bills that were going to be close. And, you know, um, even even with the, the stimulus package, when President Obama, you know, was very early in his presidency, he was reaching out to Republican members of Congress and, inviting him to the white house and um you know trying to trying to get votes you know it's it kind of reminds me of like those you know some of those pretty good scenes in the west wing that aaron sorkin wrote where they've got the chalkboard and they've got all the votes up there and they're trying to lobby different people to get you know to get them votes and sometimes they make deals that may not be the most ethical but i'll support you on this if you support me on that it feels like those days are gone and now it's the party is one way or the other and there's a couple moderates that might might kind of go over to the other side and it very much feels like when they do that, they're doing so for reelection purposes more than principal purposes. Um, yeah. And it seems like the parties are just these monoliths now that, mm-hmm. that there's not really any variance to. And, and, and it seems like there's Republican bills and Democrat bills and there's not, not a whole lot in the middle, um, which is, which is really unfortunate. Um, and yeah, Nick, to answer your question, I don't know how we evolved to this point, but it's, I don't think it's a good thing. It's it's happened in Canadian politics, too. Like there's this, you know, you have parliament and you have the majority party. Well, the the party that's leading, which right now is Justin Trudeau's minority government. But then every so often it and it doesn't happen often, but one member will, quote unquote, cross the floor and they go to the other party. And it's a huge thing because you're the people who voted you in voted you in you know, because you were part of that party. And if you deflect without being, you know, without an election, then that's really wrong. So I guess that's a little bit different from the US. But I think it's still like, you know, it causes a huge, like, you know, there can be huge controversies around it when someone like, crosses the floor, as it's called, and just like deflects. Yeah, and yeah, I agree uh, that that, that's a big deal here, too. And, And one thought that I did have, about how it got this way or potentially how it got to be this way, at least in the United States. I think gerrymandering has a lot to do with it. Um, there are the, the way that the congressional lines have been drawn over time has led to extremely red and extremely blue districts. Um, so there's not a whole lot of swing, you know, there's very few swing districts anymore. Like I, you know, we living in Illinois, we live in a very red congressional district in a blue state. So very rarely do we vote in elections that it, you know, it feels like it's going to come down to, to the wire or it's going to be close. Um, and there's so many congressional districts that are, you know, unopposed or, you know, just token resistance to, to somebody who's going to get 70, 80% of the vote. Um, so then of course, they're, you know, who do they serve? They're going to serve the party because 
if you get the party's nomination, you you win the election because the way that they're, they're drawn, it doesn't matter about votes. You're going to get the party support is enough in all of these districts. Um, so I think that, that that may lead to that party loyalty where if you're in a district that's not, which most of them are, that's not swing district at all, that's not bipartisan, really, um, you, you, you owe more to your party than you do to the electorate because that's where you that's where you get elected if you win that primary. No, that's a very good point about the gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. Need to blow that up. I don't know how. Yeah, they can go go the way of the electoral college and just both of them can go and we can actually be a representative democracy. Yeah. And actually this has so much to do with Andrew Johnson being impeached. (laughs) It's modern day too, right? Like we're trying to tie it back and tie it into that because it's very timely that we're talking about this too. And um, the other thing I just thought of is like, you know, spoiler alert, there are some, you know, Republicans that do vote to, to say Andrew Johnson's innocent. I believe there's seven of them that do. So there's not like, there's kind of that fluidity happening there with this. The other reason that Stanton is such a threat to Johnson is because he's going to comply with congressional reconstruction policies. And um, that's one of the reasons why the Tenure of Office Act is passed. And we're going to get into what that is in a few minutes. Um, It's passed to keep Stanton in place because there's very much a threat that Stanton could go and he is a very radical Republican and he's going to be able to keep Johnson in check because Johnson is the exact opposite of that. And um, so Johnson, he does not like Republican controlled Congress and he's a he opposed political rights for freedmen. He wants a lenient reconstruction policy, including pardoning of former Confederate leaders which, if you remember back to the movie Lincoln, when Grant and Lincoln are sitting on that porch, you know, Lincoln is saying, well, I just want to kind of turn my back and Jeff Davis just goes to England. You know, like, I don't want to have to deal deal with that kind of, you know, he he wants to, I think he said, let him up easy. And um, Johnson has said to have looked for every opportunity to block action by radical Republicans, and he's not willing to compromise and he vetoed legislation to protect freedmen. And this clash, all of this culminates in the House of Representatives voting to impeach Johnson on February 24th, 1868. And they bring forth 11 articles of impeachment, including the removal of Stanton, the violation of the Tenure of Office Act, which this was a U.S. federal law in place from 1867 to 1887, and it restricted the power of the president to remove certain office holders without approval of the Senate. Johnson had tried to veto this. Um, it allows for control of the president's cabinet, specifically Johnson's cabinet. And um, Johnson has violated the act when he attempted to remove Stanton without the Senate's approval. And when the Senate reconvened, they refused to ratify that removal. And ignoring the Senate, Johnson ends up appointing General Grant as Secretary of War. And Johnson wished to create a case in which to challenge the Tenure of Office Act to the Supreme Court. Um, The other articles of impeachment include appointing of Lorenzo Thomas as Secretary of War without approval of the Senate, um, prevention of Stanton carrying out his duties as Secretary of War, conspiring with Lorenzo Thomas, um, and it's, but it's most centered on 
Johnson's alleged violation of the Tenure of Office Act. So a bit of background about what happened with that. So in August of 1867, Johnson suspends Grant and put or suspends Stanton and puts General Grant in his place as interim Secretary of War. So Grant is basically caught in the middle of all of this. And he just he's Grant, right? He's going to do what's right and he is a huge he is a huge supporter of Stanton. Um and Stanton wanted to stay in as he felt he should remain as a check upon Johnson. Um so the suspension was allowed under the Tenure of Office Act since the senator the Senate was in recess. So in autumn of 1867, um, they reinstate Stanton. Grant ends up resigning, um, fearing the possible consequences for his own ambitions as president. So at this point, Grant knows he's going to run for president. And Johnson ends up firing Stanton and naming Major, Major General Lorenzo Thomas as the interim secretary. And he had, this guy has been a longtime foe of Stanton. And Stanton has Thomas arrested for illegally seizing his office. So there's a lot of drama going on. Yeah, and this is, you know, the current president obviously has fired tons and tons of people at various levels, including his cabinet. So um, I, I think and through current eyes, we're like, well, yeah, you know, the president kind of picks the, the cabinet and it's, it's up to the president. But, um, you know, because of this infighting in the party, they passed this law that says you can't do that. And, you know, so this is very much much like impeachment itself, a struggle between what what the view of the executive branch is and what the view of the legislative branch is um, and how that's, going, how that's all going to shake out. And this is really the first time in, in quite a, in a long time that that's been challenged seriously. Um, and I think it's also important to note that, that some people may not really realize is, you know, it's still less than 100 years into the, the nation's history um, and the constitution is, is even younger than that, you know, passed in what, 1790. Um, so like in, in Johnson only being the 17th person to even occupy the office, like these are still things that are being ironed out the role of the president, um, the role of Congress, you know, and of course these, they develop and evolve over time. But, uh, I do think that this is key and this is, I think at the heart of the issue, is Congress trying to assert their role in the government? Johnson trying to say that no, I'm the chief executive, I'm the president, and this is coming right after Lincoln was president, where I think Lincoln used the power of the presidency to a higher degree than probably anybody up to that point, with the possible exception of Andrew Jackson. Um, so the, this question of how powerful should the president be um, now that we have a president who's not nearly as popular. Um, I think is where you, where the the real heart of the struggle is. I mean, at the end of the day, the president is supposed to just execute what Congress wants. I mean, and that's the argument true. I mean, really mm-hmm. like that's, you know, the road to now is talking about this on their latest podcast. They're like, and they were bringing up some good points. Like literally the executive branch is really just supposed to execute what Congress passes. And then that's where Johnson kind of goes wrong. You know, they wanted this reconstruction policy. He didn't. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the whole piston mass starts. And and I think that's very foreign to us now in 2020 because we are Congress or us too as voters to a degree. Um, you know, we've kind of allowed the president to expand our role drastically from 
what it was. And then on the road to now, they made a great point. This is exactly why we left England. It was because we didn't want some one person deciding all this stuff. So, I don't know. To me, that's kind of the real cause of this. It was kind of Johnson trying to flex his muscle more than, you know, he wasn't willing to carry out what Congress wanted, and he was trying to find ways to roadblock it. That That's exactly it. That's what I took away from doing the research for this, was that he's not at all agreeing with any of the Reconstruction. You know, he wants things kept lenient. Uh, he doesn't want to give any rights to the freedmen at all. And it, it's just this major, as you said, Nick, you put it perfectly, pissing contest that is happening. Yeah, but the 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 constitutional question comes into play though cuz like i don't think i think it's unquestionable that he was not executing the acts of congress like he was not doing his job or 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 he was doing his job very poorly but the constitution says it's got to be high crimes misdemeanors treason or bribery so if you're a lousy president and you're not basically just not doing your job which is essentially what johnson's doing he's trying i mean i know he's trying to usurp that power but basically, the Congress is saying this is what the Reconstruction is going to be, and he basically is saying no. Well, is that impeachable? You know, and, and that's and I think this is the first time this this question is even asked um, because you know four years isn't that long in those, especially in those days when information took forever to get anywhere anyway, and you just vote them out if they're not doing their job. Well, this is this is a very very important crossroads. In American history, where how we how are we going to bring the Confederacy back into the Union? Um, so him ignoring acts of Congress is is a little bit more uh, carries a little bit more weight than than in the past. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it you know not to oversimplify, but essentially I think it comes down to he was a lousy president. He was lousy at doing what he was supposed to do, and they impeached him for it. Uh, and then of course, if you're a constitutional scholar, you go you go back to the Constitution, you say. Uh, I don't see where there's a high crime or misdemeanor. Yeah, well, I, you know. they did say it was for high crimes and misdemeanors, which I was trying. Okay, which is this? And it was when when the news came down about Trump being impeached. Um, Jer Jerry, my my husband was watching news about it, and I'm not sure if it was Canadian news source he was watching or American. But he came upstairs and he was like. Trump's been impeached. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, the first president impeached was Johnson, and it was for firing Stanton. And I'm like, that's exactly. And I'm like, is that what they said? He's like, that's exactly what they said for firing Stanton. Yeah. Yes. And that's like, but look at it today. Like, you know, it, is the current president being impeached because of the phone call to the Ukraine? Mm-hmm. Kind of. But, you know, I think this is like tons and tons of things that may have been happening where he's you know, overusing his power and Mm -hmm. for his own personal political gain, you know, what can we, what can we prove is treason, bribery or high crime or misdemeanor? It's this withholding of the funding for Ukraine. Yeah. And I think in this case, it's like, well, neither party likes Johnson. Much of the Republican party and all the democratic party don't like Johnson. They want to get rid of him. Uh, so they, they look to impeachment. Well, they got to find something, right? You can't impeach them for nothing. And, and that's kind of what they came up with because there's a trial. It's not as if it's not as if it's like a bill where the house votes on it and then the Senate votes on it. The house votes on it very similar to anything else, but then there's an actual trial in the Senate um, presided over by the chief justice. And, and that, that I think is, is where like they're a little bit more acting like a jury where it, it kind of gets a little more weighty there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of it, Congress handcuffs them too. You know, with this Tenure of Office Act, it's like, yeah. hey, we're giving you, you know, you have this ultimate responsibility to execute shit, but you can't pick your own staff. Um, pretty much, where you got, you know, stuff over that, and then so it's like Congress is, like, it's like kind of like the Republicans, are like shit. We should have thought more about the Vice President. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's like, geez, like, <laughs> we're stuck with him now. You mean well, people I, could die in office, or I mean, the president can die? You can get assassinated. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, and the silly thing about it is, is it's not as if these are just randomly selected people. It's, you know, like yeah. Advising consent from the Senate, they have to approve these appointments. So you're getting people who are appointed by a, an elected president and then approved by an elective legislature, and then they're then they have to put another law into place to protect that process. You know, it seems like it was there's enough checks to that process already. Yeah. So even if he wanted to replace Stanton for whatever reason, they still would have had to approve the appointment anyway. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great point too. So. There's a reason why this tenure of office act only lasts to 1887. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't. It's obviously not in place now. Um, so on February 24th, 1868, um, Thaddeus Stevens, who's on the Joint Committee on Reconstruction, um, rapidly drafts a resolution of impeachment, and this passed with a vote of 126 to 47. So immediately an impeachment committee is established. And I'm sure our rail, rail splitters will recognize the name of Thaddeus Stevens, especially if you're Tommy Lee Jones, in case you're what, yeah. Yep. Which is funny and kind of ironic because Andrew Johnson looks just like Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> he, more so than Thaddeus Stevens. Yeah. Is. It's really like I look at Johnson, I'm like, Tommy Lee Jones. It's really weird. <laughs> Um, so March 2nd and 3rd, all the, all all 11 articles of impeachment are improved. And on March 5th, 1868, the trial begins and it is presided over by chief justice Salmon P. Chase, who is there because of Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Um, he's Lincoln's former secretary of the treasury and the impeachment committee is made up of Benjamin Butler, Thaddeus Stevens, Thomas Williams, John Bingham, James F. Wilson, George S. Boutwell, and John A. Logan. And this is the first impeachment trial in the history of the United States. And Johnson does not actually appear at the trial, but he does do a number of interviews during the process. And um, Johnson has his own defense team for this. Um, Attorney General Henry Stanberry, William M. Everts, Benjamin R. Curtis, Judge Thomas A. R. Nelson, and William S. Grosbeck. And Rudy Giuliani. Yes. Oh, wait, just <laughs> The whole trial is described as a public spectacle and constitutional crisis. And it's mostly conducted in open sessions and packed galleries. And to control the crowd, there are tickets that are distributed. And so the diplomatic corps get 40. The president gets 20. Senators get four each. The chief justice gets four. The representatives get two each, and the rest are given to the public. So then how much you, were they going for? I think they just gave them well, out. Although, I mean, if it were me, I'd be scalping the shit out of those things. <laughs> so this is just a totally random question. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, and I don't know if either of you looked this up. I was trying to look it up real quick. So Andrew Johnson did not have a vice president because of the circumstances back then they didn't appoint someone to be the vice president. So had he been convicted, 
and this is before the succession of, you know, the succession act or whatever, the amendment to the constitution that says like when the president, like, cause there was, it was not part of the constitution that said the vice president would become president. And there was no uh, succession of power that listed, you know, president, vice president, speaker house. Um, so I, who would have been the president had he been convicted? I don't know. I, I, I was trying to look that up real quick. Wouldn't it have been speaker of the house? It is now, but that's with that legislation that passed because there wasn't. I don't think the Succession of Powers Act had been passed yet. I might be wrong on that. Because uh, who was Speaker of the House at that time? Was that that's was, not Skylar Colfax? I think it was Skylar. It was Skylar Colfax at the end of um, Lincoln's presidency. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Presidential Succession Act wasn't adopted until 1947. Interesting. So there was there was no actual defined line of succession ever until 1947 um so i don't i'm sure they had to have a plan if we convict him who's the president yeah maybe maybe they maybe they had decided the speaker of the house i don't know they go back to buchanan oh geez (laughs) was he alive was he still alive i don't know yeah how far yeah you can't keep going back because they're more likely to be dead like who's still around You know who they wouldn't have given it to is that jackass Miller Fillmore. <laughs> they would not have. There you have it, Real Splitters. It's our Fillmore reference. For By this the way, episode. I think I want to make a new. I think we're gonna. I think we should put some new T-shirts in this in the new Real Splitter T-shirts in the shop. But I, I kind of want to make one that just has a like a drawing or a picture of Miller Fillmore that just says MF underneath it. I do too. Uh, that would be funny. And if we yeah. do that, we have to send uh, Ben Holmes one. Yes. Yeah. He kind of, yeah, he yeah, planted, he, he planted he, this uh, yeah. very unintentionally, perhaps, but yeah. Yeah. He, no, he claimed that he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Just for oh, the I, I actually believe him in that. I, yeah. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of that. All right, I'm going to work on that, getting the, the MF t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so on May 16th, 1868, there's a very dramatic roll call. Uh, 35 senators vote to convict the president, 19 vote to acquit. While this is majority, it is not the two-thirds that is needed in order to get Johnson out of there. Seven Republicans defy the party to save Johnson. And one senator from Ohio says, I cannot agree to destroy the harmonious working of the Constitution for the sake of getting rid of an unacceptable president. There you have it. Um, just real quick, come back to this, but uh, it, it would appear that they had decided that the president pro temp of the Senate would become the president. And I'm guessing the reason they did that is because the vice president is the president of the Senate. So in absence of a vice president, the president pro temp becomes uh, the, essentially presides over the Senate. So uh, Senator Benjamin Wade would have been the president had the conviction happened. Um, and I don't believe he recused himself, even though he would have become the president had um, that happened. So close. So close. We could add Ben Wade. Yep. Number president 18. Wade. Yeah, which I think is important to, to point out that this by the time this whole thing go, goes down is May of 1868. And there's an election, obviously, in November of 1868. So this is like, you know very much you know i don't say very much but it's has has some feelings of beating a dead horse a little bit or you know like he's not going to get the party's nomination he's not going to get any nomination he's not going to be on any ballot they basically could could have ridden it out for another six months and then he would have been lame duck of course then you got to go all the way till march but still like you know it's 
less than a year left in his presidency and they're kind of going through all this stuff. But we're currently in the same situation where we're in an impeachment trial now in an election year. So in Canada, we are actually in a position that we could have what our version of an impeachment is, which we don't have impeachment. We have um, a no confidence vote because we have a minority government. Um, we might be going back to the polls sooner than four years um, oh, wow. because it's more more likely to happen in a minority government. And um, the reason that we have that is because we are a constitutional monarchy. So the queen is our head of state and the prime minister, uh, who is Justin Trudeau, is head of our government. And um, he can be removed from office if a non-confidence vote happens. And um, this can, there doesn't have to be any significant scandal or controversy happening. It can be as simple as a budget being defeated. That if the majority votes for something to be defeated, then we have to, you know, the, pre- the prime minister has to step down. Um, basically, if he doesn't have support of the majority of the House of Commons, they must resign and this hap- usually happens under a minority government, which we have a strong minority right now, but it still could happen. And um, the reason for this is that one of the core ideas of Canada's theory of responsible government is that politicians who run the Canadian government are responsible for the entire House of Commons, even the opposition parties. So if the House of Commons votes that it has lost confidence in the government that government is said to have lost its democratic right to remain in office. So yeah, that's makes sense. I mean, and uh, you know, it would make sense that impeachment is not because of the majority party often or almost always elects the, the prime minister. Um, I, I, I enjoy kind of seeing how other countries do it, how states do different states do it. Um, just kind of thinking about that presidential succession, uh, and the history around it. I, th- I think, um, may uh, kind of help support the point that like perhaps we overemphasize how important the founders were um, for them to write the entire constitution and not put anything in there in the event that the president dies. Like there's not like there's nothing in the constitution. Mm -hmm. So when, when uh, William Henry Harrison dies in 1840, the literally there were people saying like, we don't, we don't know what to do. There's no, so that the, basically the, you know, Congress and the cabinet and everybody kind of met and they just decided the vice president would be acting president, uh, basically saying like his title would be vice president acting as president. And John Tyler essentially said, no, I, I am the president. I'm going to be the president. Um, and there really was no real clear definition of whether or not that person actually was the president. Now we kind of take it for granted. Like, yeah, he was the 10th president. Um, and he still has grandchildren alive, which is weird. That's true. Wow. I know. Um, but but there was an actual real debate. And there was another debate in 1860 and another debate in 1880 when, when James Garfield uh, um, was assassinated, too. So finally, they, they shorted up and, and called them presidents in their own right. But that that is a huge oversight, um, I think. Um, they could have could have potentially brought the whole government to a screeching halt. Um and created a major power struggle. Mm. I mean, imagine if, imagine if that happened, you know, with, with a current, current type personalities now where you've got major parties fighting over the presidency and yeah. Cause right yeah. now Nancy Pelosi is the third in line for the presidency. Wow. And, um, but anyway, you, 
You think when uh, Fillmore took over for Zachary yeah. uh, Taylor, they would have been like, "Oh shit, we can't let the vice president. We got to pass something quick." Damn, this uh, this uh, uh, shouldn't be president. <laughs> yeah. Screw this guy. We got to pass a law right now. It's the the one thing when my dad follows U.S. politics quite closely and he, you know, he always is very interested as who's going to be vice president. And I asked him one time, why is that? And he's like, because that person could one day be leading the country. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, All right. And sorry to kind of bring an abrupt end to this, but uh, we do... uh, want to keep it to about an hour and I'm going to go maybe see star Wars again. So, um, so, uh, that was, uh, just kind of some brief covers of impeachment in general, Andrew Johnson's impeachment. So definitely send us your comments, anything you have thoughts on Andrew Johnson's, uh, impeachment, how you think that came down, maybe what Abraham Lincoln's, uh, you know, there, there's always a huge, what if, what if Abraham Lincoln was not assassinated, how would reconstruction have looked? And that's, that's a fun one to go into. Um, we uh, have our weekly uh, features, our weekly uh, um, little special segments of the people by the people is the first one where we talk about a social media post. Nick or Mary, do you have, excuse me, do you have one? I yeah, do. I, oh, sorry. Oh, you can go ahead. Okay. So I have one from um, images of Abraham Lincoln who posted in our Real Splitter Facebook group you earlier son today. of a gun. That's literally the one I'm going to take. Ah. I know. Was it yesterday at 247? 347. Ah, different time. Yeah, 247 my time. Okay, 347. Okay. So he said, it is National Hat Day. And he has posted um, a bunch of photos of statues with um, Abraham Lincoln's hat on them. And um, it's very good photography, but I just thought that was quite fitting. And there's some ones I haven't seen before, like the one at Lincoln College in Lincoln, Illinois, where Lincoln is reading a book and he's got his hat, his hat is off his head, but he's holding on to it. Um, but anyway, so thank you to Images of Abraham Lincoln for posting that. Yeah, I need to get to Lincoln College. They have a nice Lincoln Museum from what I've read. Um, I have a former student who goes to school there who I've, every time I go to Springfield, I'm like, hey man, I can take you to lunch. He's like, we basically pass each other on 39 because he's coming home. And I'm going down because um, it's always on holiday weekends. This really has nothing to do with anything, but I thought you needed to know that. Uh, my of the people by the people is brought to you by the Onion, which this one could be a this weekend Lincoln, but we're just going to call it an of the people. Uh, um, excuse me, the Park Rangers, according to the Onion, which is a fabulous news source. Uh, to Nick's point, we need credible, great news sources like the Onion. We need more of those. Uh, excited Park Rangers announced Lincoln Memorial actually a girl after the statue. Gives birth to a litter of tiny marble Abraham Lincolns. And there's a great uh, photograph of the baby Abraham Lincolns that the Lincoln Memorial apparently just gave birth to a litter of. Um, so, well done, Onion. You made the Lincoln Memorial female and funny. So, that was awesome. Uh, we also, every week, do a This Week in Lincoln. If it's all right with you all, I just wanted to – I have one that I can talk about because it just happened about, I don't know, five or six hours ago. So I was at a meeting uh, today in our school district. And when visitors come to our district, they have to, you have to give your driver's license to the front desk person and they scan it to make sure that the children are safe. So if you're on one of the lists of bad people, we don't let you in. And then we use that. We use your ID to print a little badge for you with your picture on it so that we all know that you're 
a visitor and you should be here. Um, well, the scanning device for the person who was visiting us, who was a consultant with, you know, working on some projects for the district, um, is from Illinois. So he gave the Illinois license. Well, the, the facial recognition software that scans it scanned the Lincoln hologram on the Illinois license instead of his photo. So when his ID badge printed out, it had Abraham Lincoln as his photo <laughs> on his visitor badge. I'm like, that is, I'm so jealous. And of course, everybody's looking at me like, hey, look, at, he got to be Abraham Lincoln. You know, I'm like, <laughs> so I couldn't help myself, though. Every time he said something, I'm like, hey, we have to believe that. That's true. He would never lie. He's, he's so honest. Nick. But anyway, so so if you're if you're in that line, you know, you hand your license over for that sex offender check, you might get an Abraham Lincoln photo. <laughs> so it's totally worth it. Nick, did you find a of the people by the people? You took mine. You can still have one. No, I, I refuse. I refuse. Oh, speaking of that, though, it was very timely. <laughs> it's like we planned our hat episode um, leading into the hat day. So, right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So if you have a list of that one, go back. Rate yep. us on iTunes so I do have something I could read next week. We're sitting at 64. We've been stuck at 64. Please rate us. So Please rate Let's, us so yeah. when Mary steals my thing for next week, I'll have something else to bring to the table. Get us to 60. I was going to try. I was trying to think of an 1864, 1865 joke. I couldn't come up with it. So get us to 65. We would really appreciate it and beyond. So please uh, reach out to us on social media. Give us a... Um, uh, Review on iTunes that just helps us with visibility for potential new listeners. Um, any parting thoughts, Mary or Nick? This is an interesting episode to research. And um, I think we need to devote an episode, one to Stanton and one to Johnson. Agreed. And, well, we already have our two-thirds majority, which is what, you know, because the impeachment, never mind. Um, yeah, two-thirds, yeah, I agree. It's 100%, but I was just <laughs> trying to make a two-thirds majority conviction impeachment connection it didn't work uh so yeah we will talk about stanton of course we will keep talking about lincoln and civil war and all kinds of stuff coming at you in 2020 but yeah episodes on stanton and many other prominent figures maybe even skylar koufax who knows um nick any parting thoughts no so thanks for listening hopefully you enjoyed uh and we'll be back with you maybe next week if not by sure blah 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 blah, blah another week <laughs> the week you got after. that right <laughs> Got that right. So enjoy your Martin Luther King Day holiday here in the United States and hopefully other places as well. And pill up a respect for that and enjoy your day off if you have one. Uh, and please remember to continue to walk the world with malice toward none and charity for all. And we will see you soon.